I'll go ahead and get right into this. Um, you guys might realize this already. Some people don't actually get a, know how to articulate it, but they, they know something's not right out there, right? And the fact of the matter is you're involved in the greatest world war in the history of the world. It's actually a war that started back in the Garden of Eden. It's being played out today in a war of worldviews. The secular worldview versus the biblical worldview. The secular or humanistic worldview is based on two beliefs. Millions and billions of years of time, that's their foundation, leading to a Darwinian process and getting God out of the picture, versus a biblical worldview, which is based on a perfect creation corrupted by Adam's sin, leading to our need for redemption through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is a war of worldviews. Karl Marx is known as the father of communism. And he stated, people without a heritage are easily persuaded. They're easily defeated. You see, if you can get a generation to come up and not know what their heritage is, they'll see no reason to stand up for it. They'll see no reason to protect it. They won't think there's anything special about it. They might let millions of people invade their country and take it over and won't say a word about it. Um, Mark said that the first battlefield is the rewriting of a nation's history. And my friends, our country's awesome heritage has been totally rewritten today. Um, I'm talking about specifically humanistic textbook writers, authors, and publishers. And kids are taught today and have been for about 30, 40 years now that Christianity had little of any role in the founding of this nation and that the biblical God had no role in the successes America uh, used to uh, cherish. This really came home to my wife and I uh, about 10, 12 years ago. We were back speaking to some churches in the Washington, D.C. area, and we had a day off, so we went and we toured the, the nation's capital. And what we found etched in the stone walls and in federal institutions in letters two feet tall throughout the institutions, what we found inscribed in brass, gold, and precious metals all over federal institutions in our nation's capital, Praises to our glorious biblical creator, entire Bible verses in the stone walls. And we looked at each other and we said, you know, our kids are told just the opposite of this today. Our nation's history has been rewritten and stolen from our children and grandchildren. Uh, the Bible says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So I felt led to put together this message endowed by their creator. I want to show you that America's, America was founded by predominantly Christian men and women on predominantly Christian principles, that biblical creation is absolutely essential, not only to Christianity, but to America's freedoms, and that to destroy America, all you need to do is destroy people's faith in biblical creation. That's why you see the early chapters of Genesis under relentless attack. Founding father Jedediah Moore stated, Whenever the pillars of Christianity shall be overthrown, our present Republican forms of government must fall with them. Not might fall with them, must fall with them. And to destroy the pillars of Christianity, all one must do is destroy people's faith in the early chapters of the book of Genesis. And this is why you see Genesis under relentless attack. Has been for close to 100 years now. Jesus said that Moses wrote of me. And Moses is used to lay down the foundation for the biblical worldview in the first and third uh, chapters of the book of Genesis in what I call the cost, COS and the cross. The biblical worldview is that God gave us a perfect creation. It was perfect. 
God looked at it and called it very good. It wasn't full of death and suffering, Satan and his minions. It was perfect. Well, it's not perfect today, is it? Have you ever had someone ask you or even thought yourself if something bad happened to someone you loved, how can there be a loving God in this world full of death and suffering? Have you ever heard something along those lines? That is one of the first questions a good scoffer will ask a young Christian, usually the first week of college, to undermine their faith. How can there be a loving God in this world full of death and suffering? Well, if you leave here with nothing else today, know the biblical response. It is so easy and simple, it'll bowl you over, but I'd say 98% of Christians cannot, cannot answer that question biblically. And here's the answer. Well, God didn't give us the world the way it is today, full of death and suffering. God gave us a perfect creation. Well, what happened to it? Adam's first sin. It was Adam's original sin that allowed death to enter, brought on the curse and allowed death to enter. And that's why we live in a world full of death and suffering today, but we have a loving creator. There's the biblical answer. Isn't that simple? But you should take that answer further than that. You see, that original sin, besides bringing in death and corrupting the creation, also separated us from God. And that left us with the need to be redeemed with our loving creator. Well, we've got a big problem there. You see, to be redeemed with our creator, you have to be 100% sinless. You have to be absolutely righteous to be redeemed with God. Well, we're sinners. We inherited Adam's sin nature. We're, we're all sinful. Let's be honest with ourselves. Have you ever said something that wasn't true? And that makes you a liar. When you stand before a righteous God, you'll be found guilty. Have you ever um, looked at somebody with lust in your eyes? Well, that makes you an adulterer. Have you ever taken something that didn't belong to you, a paperclip, a sticky note, anything? That makes you a thief. When you stand before God, you're going to be found guilty. Pastor, everybody here, we're going to talk about 30 seconds. They've all admitted they're a bunch of lying, thieving adulterers. You got your work cut out for you. <laughs> No, we're all sinful. So there's nothing we can do to be redeemed with God. So there we are. We're stuck. Well, how much does God love us? He loved us so much that then he sent his only begotten son to suffer and die on a cross. His shed blood covering our sin. That's a loving God. And that's how you answer that question and lead people right to the gospel message. So Jesus is sin and all he, all he asks of us. Sounds simple is we put our faith in him. We believe in him. That's all he asks of us. Wow. Now, Moses also told us that God has judged man's sin once already with a flood that covered all the hills, all the high hills under the whole heaven. That would be a global flood. And I'm going to go through this again because this is the whole linchpin. Plus, some folks weren't here this morning. But it, let's be honest with ourselves. If there had been this global flood... And this is the whole linchpin in the war of worldviews right here, whether or not there was a global flood. And I'll show that clearly in the after-lunch uh, message. But had there been a global flood, if the fountains of the deep had erupted and, and erupted for 150 days, it would have eroded the top two miles or so of the Earth's original crust. Okay. And it would have been rolling these sediments around the globe with this water separating them by grain size, weight, and density of the sediments. You ever see a miner with a pan? He scoops up some, some uh, sediment and some water in his pan. He sloshes it back and forth. The moving water separates the sediments in his pan by grain size, weight, and density. 
Gold being the densest falls to the bottom. Well, on a global scale, that water is separating all those sediments so all the sand grains are together, all the mudstone grains are together, all the limestone grains are together. And as they start laying those layers down as the waters abate over the second 150-day period of that global flood, they start laying down those layers. And what do we find today? We find the outer crust of the earth, a mile deep of sedimentary layers stratified out by grain size, weight, and density full of billions of dead things that were drowned and buried so quickly they didn't even have time to rot away or get eaten by scavengers. Exactly. What would be there had there been a, a flood of waters that covered all the high hills under the whole heaven? Now, why do I say that's the linchpin in the war of worldviews? Well, let's go to 2 Peter 3. We're told there are coming the last days scoffers. This is a prophecy in the New Testament. You guys ever see a scoffer? Yeah, there's, there's a few of them out there, right? And um, they're going to be willingly ignorant. They're going to choose to be ignorant. There's a few different things in here um, that the world that was being overflowed with water perished. Think about this. Almost 2,000 years ago, the Word of God said in the last days, scoffers would deny the global flood. Why in the world would you care about whether or not there was a global flood? You see, the secular or humanist, atheist worldview is based on the exact same crust of the earth. The exact same sedimentary layers stratified out by grain size, weight, and density. They just interpret it through their religious belief, which is there was never a global flood. No, those layers formed slowly and uniformly. You, Pastor, you were asking, we were talking about uniformity last night, uniformitarianism. That's also prophesied in 2 Peter 3, by the way. Uh, if you read 3 through 6, it says these scoffers questioning where is Jesus' return will claim all processes remain the same since the beginning of the creation. And they'll be willingly ignorant of uh, two things. Uh, the heavens were made mature and the global flood. I'm just focusing on the flood right now. But the uniformity and the lack of flood was foretold would happen in the last days. And that's what where Darwinism is based upon, a belief that the layers formed slowly and those, those remains, the fossils in them, uh, developed slowly, not quickly, as a result of the global flood. And I've got to tell you, I was speaking at a church in California about a month ago, and a couple miles down the road, uh, once I got where I could drive, there was a raccoon in the middle of the road. Someone had run over, squished it, deader than a doornail. I came back four days later. Scavengers had already eaten it. I was shocked. I thought it was going to lay there for millions of years, waiting for layers to build up around it so it could become a fossil. You know, <laughs> things have to be buried immediately to be fossilized. That's all proof of the global flood. But the humanist worldview is based on the exact same sediments. That's the reason I point out the global floods are linchpin in the war of worldviews. A global flood explains how those layers form quickly, destroying every old earth belief that puts death before Adam, including Darwinism, naturalism, humanism, etc. But the problem is they teach this as if it were science, and that puts death before Adam, which means there was no original sin bringing in death, separating you from God. And then we've been teaching the secular atheist interpretation of science uh, for 60 years now. I'll talk about that more in the second uh, message after lunch. No wonder Jesus said, if you don't believe Moses, how will you believe my words? It's important to believe Moses. Well, do you think it was important to Jesus what Moses had to say? On the day of his resurrection, he approaches the two disciples walking away from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They had heard he resurrected. He had told them he had risen on the third day. They heard he had resurrected, and they st still didn't believe it. 
His disciples, they're leaving. They're out of there. They're gone. So Jesus approaches them on the road to Emmaus. And who does Jesus start teaching his disciples with on the day of his resurrection? With Moses. He starts with Moses. You've got to lay down a foundation. And if uh, old earth or death before Adam beliefs are an issue for you, I cover them in my message, top 10 death before Adam beliefs, Pangea, continental drift, all these. I'll cover some of that in the after lunch and also in my book, Cost. I get a lot of weird emails. Here's one. Your attempt to convince others Darwinism isn't true is unconstitutional. You're a danger to society and should be in a mental institution before you take away the freedoms given to us by our forefathers. That's almost what kids are taught in grade school today. Those Christians are trying to impose there some theocracy on America and take away your freedoms. No, no. It's, it's Christians that get, and the belief in, in biblical Christianity that gave us our freedoms. So let's look at the fingerprint of God upon the history of the United States. Most people don't realize it, but by the early 1700s, the pilgrims and Puritans' zeal for God had dissipated in this once great nation, and they'd started uh, walking away from the biblical God. They, uh, they still held to a creation worldview, though. They still understood a perfect creation had been corrupted by sin that had separated them from God. They still understood the need for redemption, but they had lost touch. They had stopped preaching Christ died for your sins. Well, when the Apostle Paul preached to people who knew about creation, they had that foundation, but they didn't accept Jesus as their Messiah, he just immediately reasoned with them that Jesus is the Christ. He is that Messiah. He didn't have to build a foundation of creation separation because they already had that. Well, God sent over some British evangelists in the 1700s, and they began uh, working with God-honoring pastors who would not compromise, and most churches slammed the door in their face, so they went out to open fields and meadows preaching Christ died for you, and the crowds grew to the thousands. And God poured forth his blessing as we had what is known as the first great Christian awakening in this nation as all 13 colonies united as one nation under God and demanded and won back their God-given freedoms from the British through the Revolutionary War. In fact, the Liberty Bell is inscribed with Leviticus 25.10, which reads, Proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. I don't think that's mentioned in our public schools today. Now, Jesus said, Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And when the rains ascended and the floods came, it fell not because it was founded on a rock. Well, of our founding fathers, 93% of the signers of the Declaration were Christians. 95% of the authors of the Constitution were Christians. Now, this nation was never meant to be a theocracy, but it was founded on Christian, uh, by Christian men and women on Christian principles. Uh, one of the main ones was that God created man in his own image, male and female. That makes, in, from a Christian standpoint, People have a special meaning. They hold a special place. And that's one reason atheists and such hate us. They want to abort kids. They want to get rid of humans. They want to get rid of old people. They, they want to get rid of, but, but Christians are standing there in their way saying, no, people are made in the image of God. We have a, we're special. And that's one of the many reasons that they hate us. But this principle was put into our very Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Now, 
kids today are, t are told we were a terrible, horrible slave-owning country. But actually, there, you couldn't get rid of slavery and get 13 colonies to unite and take on the world's superpower in a war for our God-given freedoms. But in the very declaration, our first official paper, they declared that all men are created equal and endowed by their who? Creator. And we've been teaching the last 60 years of our citizens there's no creator. And if you wonder what in the world is going on with this country, I just gave you the answer. You see, in 1963, we kicked God and prayer out of our schools. We started teaching our future generations they'd evolved without God, and now we're reaping the fruit. See, following the Revolutionary War, the states failed to remain united, so they were squabbling over tariffs and trade rights. So a constitutional convention was held in Philadelphia in 1787. Now, John Adams, our second president and founding father, stated our Constitution was made a moral and a religious people. It's wholly inadequate to govern any other. You have to have high moral standards to handle the freedoms this nation was given by our Creator. And see, we don't have those moral standards anymore, and you see things falling apart. Thomas Jefferson, uh, the principal author of the Declaration and our third president, when he was president, he attended Christian church services on Sunday that were held in the U.S. Capitol building and held in the Supreme Court building. Wait a minute. He, he wrote the education plan for the D.C. schools using the King James Bible as the primary reading book. Wait a minute. Didn't our founding fathers who wrote the Constitution know anything about that separation of church and state? <laughs> Nowhere in the U.S. Constitution is that phrase found. It came from a private letter Jefferson wrote to the Danbury Baptists, assuring them that the Constitution put up a wall of separation, and the meaning was that it would keep Christian principles in the government and keep the government out of the church, so it would become corrupted like the, uh, the European churches. Well, that's been turned 180 degrees, hasn't it? Mm, absolutely. Anyways, the, uh, the main reference sources cited by the framers of the U.S. Constitution themselves was the King James Bible. That was the number one reference source for the U.S. Constitution. I don't think that's mentioned today, is it? Well, sad to say, by the late 1700s, many Americans, and again, the Christian church as a whole, had stopped teaching Christ died for you. Once again, but they still held to the creation-based foundation. They understood the perfect creation, the corruption, the separation. They knew the need for redemption. Many Christian schools like Harvard, Yale, and Princeton have become secular, like many of today's Christian schools have become. But in 1795, Yale appointed Timothy Dwight to be their new president. He went out urging seniors to return to serving God with their lives. Lyman Beecher listened to that message, and he became a pastor. In the 1820s, Pastor Beecher began going out in open fields and town squares preaching, Christ died for you. The crowds grew to the thousands. Churches returned to preaching Christ died for your sins in what's known as the second great Christian awakening in this nation. The Washington Monument's cornerstone was laid down in 1848. Inside of it were placed the Constitution, the Declaration, and the Holy Bible. Christian gravings are found throughout that stone structure today. We'll come back to the, this monument in a few minutes. Um, the uh, U.S. Capitol building was dedicated in 1858. 
Krish engravings are found throughout the stone walls inside in letters up to two feet tall. Like, what have God wrought? America, God shed his grace on thee. It was the second Christian awakening that led the final crusade to abolish slavery in the United States. In fact, um, the battle hymn of the Republic included the words, As Christ died to make men holy, let us die to make men free. And the great heritage this nation has that should pull all Americans together is despite this being founded in a world full of slavery, based on the belief that all men are created equal, hundreds of thousands of Americans left their families, their farms, their jobs, their careers, their children behind and died a horrible, terrible death on a lonely battlefield where their bodies were left to rot in the sun to free slaves that they never saw and would never meet. That's a message our schools should push and pull all Americans together. But see, pulling Americans together is not, is not the issue. And I cover Saul Alinsky and his rules for radicals in my book, Cost. If you have never heard of Saul Alinsky, you need to read a couple of pages out of that book, and it will open your eyes to what's going on today. Well, the cornerstone of the Washington Monument was laid down in 1848. It wasn't completed and dedicated until 1884. The delay was due to the Civil War. When they picked up construction after the war, they used a different colored stone. So if you go to DC, now this stands over 500 feet tall, about a third of the way up, about 160, 165 feet up, the stone changes color. And it marks a clear line of demarcation where after hundreds of thousands of Americans sacrificed their lives, we finally got rid of the yoke of slavery. What an awesome history we have, wow. Well, at the dedication ceremony, uh, they put an aluminum cap on the very top of the monument. It's about 18 inches tall. It's the first things lit by the rays of the sun or the east-facing side of that cap every morning in Washington, D.C. So they etched in the words, Laos Deao, on that aluminum cap on the east-facing side. The first words lit by the rays of the sun every morning in D.C. translate, Praise be to God. I don't think they teach that in school today. The Supreme Court building was dedicated in 1935. Above the eastern entry are statues of 23 of the world's most famous historical lawmakers, all surrounding Moses, who's sitting in the center holding the Ten Commandments, which was the basis of our nation's legal system initially. Hasn't been for quite a while yet now. In 1941, FDR told the nation in a national radio uh, uh, review that uh, the Nazis are as ruthless as the who? Communists in their denial of God. And the coming war would be between human slavery and human freedom. And America would side with human freedom, which is the Christian ideal. Never, ever has a nation had half the freedoms that we have. It was because we were founded by predominantly Christian men and women on predominantly Christian principles. Freedoms come from God. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. In a 1952 address, Dwight Eisenhower told the nation the real fire with the builders of America was faith in themselves as children of God. The Bible says you are children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. We were a Christian-based nation even long before we were a nation from the 1600s through the 19 early 60s. Hmm. And something changed. 
If you go to D.C., and I, I suggest you do, but take a Christian tour. You'll be blown away by what you, you'll be shown. Uh, but go to the Jefferson Memorial. It's my favorite memorial. Uh, his, his quotes and st- statements about God are etched into the stone walls. One includes, God who gave us life gave us liberty. Who gave us our freedoms? God. And blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. And I've got to tell you, from we were a blessed nation. We, we were never a perfect nation. We were never perfect for a zillionth of a second. We're made up of millions of sinful people, only saved by the grace of God. But we were a blessed nation because as a whole, we were a God-honoring nation. Noah Webster, the greatest uh, educator we've ever had, stated, The Christian religion is one of the first things in which all children ought to be instructed. You have to have the foundation of Christianity to handle the freedoms we're given. Was that what we've been doing for the last 60 years? No, not at all. We've been doing quite the opposite, haven't we? What happened? Well, the the, uh, successful attack on people's faith in the Word of God really began in the early 1800s, especially in 1830, when uh, Charles Lyell published Principles of Geology, which popularized uniformitarianism, that all processes are uniform like they've always been. So you see the, the rate of erosion out of Grand Canyon by the river today. You measure the amount of erosion, you look at the size of the canyon, you say it took millions of years for this river to cut out that canyon. The Colorado River had nothing to do with the original formation of Grand Canyon, by the way. I'll talk about that in the second, uh, or the third uh, message today after lunch. But this laid the foundation for Darwinism. The millions of years of time that the layers formed slowly and uniformly over millions of years of time, the geologic column, gave the foundation for Darwinian evolutionism and the origin of species by means of natural selection. Or at least that's the title today. The second half of the title was the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. And I have a whole teaching on the evil fruit and Margaret Sanger and all these evolutionists and what they think about humans and minorities, including Christians. They wanted to get rid of Christians. They want to get rid of blacks. They want to get rid of these people. It's a horrible background. And if you're not familiar with it, you really should uh, read my book, Cost, and, and get a feel for what's going on out there. And if, if Darwinism is an issue for you, I really cover it in the uh, top 10 Darwinian lies and, and like I said earlier, Darwinists are, notice how their proofs for Darwinism are always drawings? Yeah, they're great at drawing things that never existed to support their theory that never took place. Not a single example of Darwinian macroevolution has ever been found. Not one. They will show you similar bone structure, those, and they'll show you similar biochemistry. I'll talk about both of those after lunch. Those are proof of a similar designer, not that you evolved from a wet rock, and we'll talk about that later, but Charles Elliott was appointed president of Harvard in 1869. He appointed Christopher Langdale, dean of the Harvard Law School a year later. These two dedicated their lives to making millions of years leading to Darwinism, the new foundation for not only our educational system, but for our legal system. In fact, Langdale introduced what's called case law study. It now dominates our legal system. Case law study says that the law evolves case by case. You ever wonder why one guy does a crime and gets two years in jail? Another guy does the same crime and gets 20 years in jail? Another guy does the same crime and gets off scot-free? 
is because there's no foundation. We're not based on the Ten Commandments anymore. We're based on case law, and the law changes. It evolves case by case. Wow. Think about this. It wasn't until 1947 that the Supreme Court discovered a separation of church and state in the First Amendment. Read the First Amendment. It's a paragraph. Google it when you get home today. There's nothing about separation of church and state in there. But believe it or not, this was while ruling in favor of using federal funds to support religious school activities. What in the world happened? Well, about 15 years later, in 1962, the law had evolved, and the Supreme Court used the same finding to outlaw prayer in school. And in 1963, 60 years ago, right now, we kicked creation and prayer and God out of our public schools we, we kicked out the foundation of America's freedoms. We kicked out the foundation of biblical Christianity and started teaching our kids the foundation of atheistic humanism as if it were science, millions of years leading to Darwinism. And then we sit back today and we go, gee, what happened? Well, that's what happened. We're reaping the fruit today. And most of these people, the Antifa people and all these writers and haters of America and pulling down our history and trying to destroy ourselves, they have been totally and completely misled and indoctrinated. And it's easy to get mad at them. But remember, when we point a finger at them, there's three fingers pointing right back at us because we sat here and did nothing about it. Nothing about it. We're hand ringers. You ever notice that? We are hand ringers, man. When they kicked creation and prayer out of school, we, we wrung our hands for a whole week on that one, man. I mean, the other side knows it. We are hand ringers. I, I kid my wife about this. Oh, man, we're going to be wringing our hands over that one, you know. But we're hand ringers, and, and we've sat back and not done anything. And now, uh, you know, it's easy to give up, right? Think there's nothing we can do. Hey, think back, oh, what, about a month or two ago? I wasn't watching it because I avoid wokeness at all costs. But in a Monday night football game, God turned this nation back to him in one second. In one second, God had about 75 million people praying to him. Wow. So don't give up because we can't do it, but God still can. You know what I'm talking about? Wasn't that spectacular? I saw it the next day and I looked at all these People and, and announcers and all praying. I said, wow, God is in total and complete control. Never give up. You know, nowhere in the Bible does it say give up. It says pray continually, contend for the faith, and spread the word. Let's keep doing that until Jesus says it's, he calls us back. Right. Now, Harry Truman said the fundamental basis of the nation's law was given to Moses on the mount. He said, if we don't have the proper moral background, we'll end up with a totalitarian government. We are on the brink. We may already be there, but there's still a chance of changing it. We are on the brink. Now, there are good and godly teachers in our public schools, but for the past 60 years, America's children have been taught their rewritten history and that it's a fact that life on Earth has evolved. They're talking about Darwinian macroevolution, not biblically correct microevolution. The Bible says, professing to be wise, they become fools. It doesn't mean they're stupid. It means they've been fooled. I know brilliant people that believe in millions of years and or Darwinism. They've just been fooled, and they're changing the glory of the uncorruptible God, which I think today is his creation, into an image made like corruptible man and birds and 
four-footed beasts and creeping things. I think they're going to change creation into the fairy tale of Darwinian evolution that lets you think you're the most evolved, you're your own God. We call that humanism today. Now, these verses are talking about idolatry, and the highest form of idolatry is to think you're the most evolved, you're your own God. Well, how this Darwinian myth, it doesn't have a single shred of evidence that ever happened that's a scientific impossibility, which I'll point out later today. I can show you how to destroy Darwinism scientifically in four seconds flat. Gene depletion plus selection makes it impossible. I'm sorry, that was three seconds flat. I'll explain that later, what that means, those terms mean. But how did this fairy tale get such a hole? What well, it says right here, it depended on an immense length of time. That's their magic ingredient. How come we don't have any evidence? Show me that happening. Well, I can't show you. It takes millions of years of time. Well, how come we don't have any evidence? It takes millions of years. That's their, that's their whole foundation. That's their abracadabra moment. Anyways, I call it a biogenesis day. You ever heard of that? Yeah, well, it's a long story, but I was at college, and every time I'd say something, well, biogenesis, and I just start calling it your abracadabra. I mean, you're a biogenesis, you know? And... Uh, kind of made an impact with the kids when they started realizing how silly it was. But what these older beliefs do from a Christian standpoint is they put death before Adam. And once you put death before Adam, you can't teach Adam sin brought in death, separating us from God, recurring our redemption. Do you see that? Satan is an expert at what he does. No wonder the Bible says, teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies. You know, the Bible says don't do it. Endless genealogies that minister to questions rather than godly edifying. Endless genealogies that set the foundation for Darwinism, atheism, humanism, theistic evolution, progressive creation, gap theories, all the compromised positions within the church today. Global flood wipes every one of them out. That's the reason we need to stop compromising on this issue. Darwinian evolution provided the foundation for communism. Mao Zedong, who killed 60 million of his own people just 60 years ago, listed Charles Darwin as his favorite author. The founder of the ACLU said communism is the goal. Their lawsuits include banning Christmas displays, banning the Ten Commandments. Have their lawsuits strengthened America or weakened America? The Vietnam Veterans Memorial was dedicated in 1982. It does not contain a single reference to God. We dedicated the FDR memorial in 1997. It does not contain a single reference to God. During World War II, our government issued 17 million Bibles. Our government to military personnel around the globe. It was called the FDR Bible because in the front page, there was a note from our president urging our, our military personnel around the globe to spend time every day reading the Word of God. 75 years ago. We dedicated the World War II Memorial in 2004. It does not contain a single reference to God. There's a plaque at the Washington Monument talking about that aluminum cap up on top. And 10 years ago, the information about Laos Dayal was removed from the plaque. Nobody even knows what's up there today. At the Constitutional Convention, Ben Franklin proposed every session of Congress should begin with a prayer to the biblical God. And since 1787, every single session has begun with a prayer to the biblical God. Until 12 years ago when we opened up with a prayer to the false God of Islam. 
Ronald Reagan warned, without God, democracy will not and cannot long endure. If we ever forget we are one nation under God, we will be a nation gone under. We stand on the precipice today, on the precipice. Jesus warned, everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not will be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rains ascended and the floods came and it fell. And great was the fall of the house built on the ever-shifting sands of man's ever-changing thoughts, ideas, and philosophies. The fact of the matter is, America needs another Christian revival. But before that can happen, the Christian church needs another great awakening. We need to return to teaching of the Jesus of the Bible, who created in six days, rested on the seventh, judged man's sin with a flood of waters that covered all the high hills under the whole heaven, came and died in our place, his shed blood covering our sin. We need to stop um, compromising with the foundation of secular atheistic humanism. When we do that, we hand them the victory. We can recover it very quickly. The truth is on our side. It's not because we're smart. It's because God's word is true. But when we compromise God's word, we have become fools. And we're opening the door to what's going on today. The calling of our ministry is to teach about these issues. Um, Biblical creation and prayer were kicked out of school 60 years ago. And now, for the first time in 60 years, even public high school kids can take a biblical course called Creation Science and a Biblical Worldview online, and it will qualify as public high school credit toward graduation. Northwest Christian School in Phoenix, around about 43rd and Bell, they have received what's called exemplary accreditation status. They're one of only 17 Christian schools in the whole world to have attained this. They've been the, the number one private school in Arizona nine years in a row. Uh, two years ago, they asked me, hey, Russ, would you be interested in working with us and putting together an 18-week semester-long course on creation, evolution, and the age of the earth? It's, and I said, yeah, I would. It's based on my book cost. It goes through the book costs. It also implements all my videos throughout the course. And it's an 18-week course. It's a full course, 1,000-page essays and reports, etc. cetera. Um, and you can find information on my website, uh, uh, creation course on the left side, uh, creationministries.org. But anybody in the world can take it. It's online. They have a class at school, but the online course follows the class. Anybody in the world can take it, and any high school, public high school kid can take it and receive credit toward graduation. We also want to provide a reason for the hope that's in the heart of all true believers and all true seekers. So we do this through our various messages and teachings, crushing Darwinism, crushing old earth beliefs that put death before Adam, answering skeptical questions, and much, much more. I have all these messages on our DVDs, our five DVD sets over here. We also have a special DVD, because I don't copyright my DVDs or thumb drives. All these are on thumb drives as well. But the problem with the five DVD set is if you want to copy and give it away, and one woman in Oregon uh, actually went out and bought a tower copier and has given away over 1,000 sets of our DVDs. I've had 15 churches up in that area bring me up to share because of that. I've spoken in uh, three public high schools up there and also in Eastern Oregon University in their science auditorium, all because that's all fruit coming from her effort. Um, 
We do Grand Canyon tours. I have all my things on thumb drives over here. I don't copyright those either. I always tell people, if you get our thumb drives or DVDs, make all the copies you want. We have one special DVD and thumb drive that just has the four teachings in the very order I would present them to anybody. If you said, I've got an atheist friend, he said he'd be willing to look at something. There's one particular one I'd show first, Top 10 Darwinian Lies. It will shock people. It, people think, oh, I've not been lied to. It will turn their world upside down. We had one biology teacher saw it, quit her job, and became a Christian, now teaches science in a Christian school. And then it gets the top four in the order I would present them. We do, uh, I do rim and raft tours. Uh, I've rafted the entire length of Grand Canyon 12 or 13 times. Some sections I've rafted up to 70 times. But I lead, I've started leading rim and raft trips and rim tours back about 2004. Take, and I take about 1,000 people a year to Grand Canyon where I can show them the truth of God's word. At one of the pillars of secular atheist beliefs, Grand Canyon. What are you going to see at Grand Canyon if you go there on your own? Millions and billions of years ago. Everything's millions and billions of years. That's their foundation. They're trying to indoctrinate you in their foundation. Did you know, how many of you have been to Grand Canyon? Or at least seen a picture of it, right? You know, from the, from the rim to the river, it's a mile deep. That's a big hole in the ground, right? You know, most people think it cuts into the plain. It doesn't. It doesn't cut into the plain. The area uplifted, and, and it's cut through the upwarp. When, when you're on the rim of the canyon, you're looking down. You're on top of the upwork looking into the canyon. Rivers don't flow uphill. Colorado River had nothing to do with formation of Grand Canyon. So what happened, and I'll talk about this after lunch today, but when you're on the rim, it's a mile from the rim to the river. What they won't tell you there, and this is spectacular, there used to be two miles of rock layers above where the rim is today, two miles deep. It's been removed from southern Utah all the way to the sea, leaving behind the Grand Staircase, which is Bryce, Zion, Vermilion Cliffs, Mogollon Rim with the canyon in between. Two miles of rock layers have been removed for tens of thousands of square miles well, wow. and I'll explain all this after lunch today. But come with us to Grand Canyon. We, uh, I think all of our trips are sold out this year. So two weeks ago, we added one on June 8th through 11th. They originate in Phoenix. We go up, uh, see the canyon, go up, do a raft trip for four hours, come back, see some dinosaur tracks. It's, it's an awesome Christian experience. I've had many people tell me it's the best Christian trip they've ever been on outside of Israel. So if you'd like to, join us sometime. Get a group together and join our June 8th trip. I think there's still maybe 20 seats left on it, but they'll probably be gone here in a couple weeks. Let me end with this from 2 Chronicles. Now, this was given to the ancient Israelites. Okay, I understand that. But I'll tell you, I think it's the best shot this nation has today. And that's if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. I think that is just about the last shot our nation has. And God's already shown us in that Monday night football game a month or so ago that he can heal like this. He can bring us back like this. That was really spectacular. It was absolutely mind-boggling what God did that night. But if America's Christians continue down the road we've been on much further, and I don't know how we can go much further. We will lose our God-given rights. And to that, I will say, if we reject our biblical creator, we do not deserve creator-given freedoms. And the world will lose what God had used as his city on a hill for the first 200 years of our existence. 
as a nation.